All right, man. Thanks for coming over. Well, thanks for having me. I yeah. appreciate it. Love we, being here. We got Brian Craig here. He is, well, I guess how we have to do introductions, it changes a little bit this year than it would have had last year, right? It He's does. A, I'm, I'm on to a new adventure. That's right. So former head golf coach at University of Kentucky. And uh, for the people who are listening now, tell us what you're into now in retirement world because you, you kind of didn't retire. You jumped into another sled of things. So I, I had a great run at Kentucky. I was very, very fortunate, 22 years and, and um, you know, memories for a lifetime, really, uh, and relationships for a lifetime, obviously. And now I'm doing private coaching and consulting. It's yeah. called Brian Craig Golf. It's just, nice. it's just briancraiggolf.com. And I'm doing it kind of nationally. Yeah. Um, so I am teaching a few kids locally as well. But, you know, got students anywhere from Denver to Boston to, to Florida right now. So uh, I love it. I'm staying in golf. I'm with competitive players. They're good players. They're driven. They want to they play golf in, in college, yeah. obviously. And these kids that yeah. I have are going to play uh, golf uh, in college and, and even at the high level in college, it looks like. So gotcha. so that's exciting. I love it. Yeah, man. So let's go way, way backwards and uh, talk about when you were introduced to the game of golf. Oh, wow. I grew up in Gastonia, North Carolina. Uh, it's just about a little town 20 miles west of Charlotte, Gaston Country Club. We had a, Where we lived was kind of um, one street over from the kind of the sixth tee box in the fifth yeah. green. And my dad, but my dad got me in. He loved golf. Uh, he didn't get to play a whole lot because he, you know, he was working retail. He had a yeah. he had a furniture store that took up most of his time. But they had a great junior program there, so I got in the junior program when I was probably five years old, six years old, and just loved it. Uh, took off with it. Had a great mentor instructor there named Bruce Sudreth, who is still to this day a great friend. Yeah. And and but we also had a lot of people that um, young people like that I could play golf with. So the social aspect. Of it was great. I wasn't out there by myself. Sure, I had some. My best friend played at South Carolina uh, growing up, and he lived in the same neighborhood as me. Played at the same golf course there. But we had we had tons of others as yeah. well. So some competition. Would, so you had people that were better than you, and little people that were worse than you. So it drove you to. It was to be perfect better. in that regard. Yeah. I, and actually, I've never even looked at it that way. But we had guys older than me that played in the SEC or the ACC. Yeah. We had guys my age who end up playing Division One golf. Same thing in ACC, SEC, and then we had guys younger. Uh, ended up doing that as well. So yeah, we had we had kind of had the whole uh, the whole run there. It was it was yeah. phenomenal. I have I was very fortunate to be grow, growing up in that environment. Then uh, you end up playing college golf. Where'd you go to play college golf? So I went to the University of Florida. Yeah, I played. Um, I was there from eighty seven to ninety two. I had a redshirt year. Yeah, and uh, from uh, actually I blew my. Uh, my knee out, my ACL, playing two-hand touch football <laughs> on Florida field back when it was that sorry AstroTurf. Oh, no. I was guarding Dudley Hart, who played the tour for years. Yeah. You know, Dudley's won a couple times out there, played for 22 or so years straight. And he cut, and I went with him. Then he went the other way, and my knee just – my foot stayed planted. Oh, no. You know. You, you know. Oh, my no. foot stayed planted, my knee went boom, yeah. and I went down. So what year were you when that happened? Your, your Sophomore, year, Sophomore year. It was after the fall – of sophomore year. Did that what gave you the red shirt? It did. Yeah. I had yeah. played in a couple tournaments that fall, so I got a medical hardship okay. kind of deal. And yeah. uh, so technically a red shirt. And then, and, but it worked out great because my fifth year was really the only year that I, I felt like I played to my potential down there. Yeah. And I wouldn't have had it without that injury. Sure. You know, yeah. so God it, knows what he's doing. That's right. It's exactly right. It worked out great. I mean, it was, it was, it was fine. And, and, um, you know, I'm still close with my old head coach, buddy Alexander. We're still, yeah. still good friends. Yeah. Talk about some of your teammates. Who's teammates that you had at Florida? Uh, we were loaded. Um, the, you know, the most notable ones would be uh, Dudley Hart, obviously, yeah. and uh, Chris DeMarco. Okay. You know, Chris. Both those guys were a year older than I am, and both were first team All Americans. Uh, you know, Chris has played you know Ryder Cups, and yeah. you know, of course, we we know battled with Tiger in the Masters yeah, a couple oh, yeah. times, and yeah. almost won. But um, 
he he's a tremendous tremendous player, obviously. And then uh, Dudley was a great player. Dudley went straight from uh, from college golf to the tour. He got his tour card right off the yeah. the bat, and the never old, old way, the like old way tour school, six rounds of PGA, six rounds, qualifying, yeah. and never lost a tour card. Um, uh, he lost it one year, but then he went back to tour school yeah. and got it back. So he never basically played anything mini tour wise yeah, or wild. regional tour wise, which is really unusual. Yeah. And then his back basically gave out on him when he was about 40, I don't know, 42, 43. Yeah. Um, so he really couldn't even play. He can't even really play the senior tour now because of gotcha. his back issues. But I had um, Pat Bates made the tour at one point. Um, uh, then younger than me, we had uh, Brian Gay, who's had a terrific yeah. tour career. Yeah. Uh, Brian's a tremendous player. He was a freshman when I was a sophomore. Okay. Uh, kid was a stud from day one. I remember yeah. he birdied. He birdied 18 in a little course we were playing in Louisiana to for the team to win the AC the, the SEC championship. Nice. I think he hit a wedge to about hit a 90 yard wedge to about four feet, made it for the team to win by one. Then he birdied the first first playoff hole, and then he birdied the second playoff hole for him to win individually oh as a yeah. freshman yeah. in the yeah. SEC. Yeah, uh, Chris Couch was also a teammate. Chris was yeah. younger, yeah, as, as well. Uh, so we we had some pretty good no pretty doubt. good players. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, University of Florida has a long history of putting out the players, and they haven't stopped. And they have not then. stopped. Yeah, they yeah. just grind It's a out. great place for golf, and, and it's yeah. a great place for – How for old school. were you the first time you broke par? Oh, gosh, that's a great question, Jason. Um, you know, I, I feel like I shot under – I feel like I shot 69 one time when I was like 13. Okay. And that's what I really remember. I don't remember breaking right. par per se – um, so I, I was 60s, pretty, yeah. I was pretty good, good young. I, yeah. I, I, I did, um, uh, pretty well young. And then, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't have as good of a, um, of a college career as I feel like I probably should have, okay. uh, based on my junior record, Yeah. you know, uh, that, you know, that, that's just one of those things I, you know, could be different reasons for it, but I, I you know, I got good fairly young. Yeah. I was out there all the time. I was old, playing yeah. golf all the time. You know, I, I, I was, I was a, I was, that's all I did. <laughs> we talk, I mean, I interview a lot of people here and the, one of the resounding themes is true. And you can speak to it as being a coach too, is like how athletics, whether it's golf or basketball or football really changes the trajectory of your life. And it gives you a different perspective of most people who are successful athletically have the ability to translate that to life in general. Would you agree with that? It does teach you a lot of, um, a lot of, uh, values and a lot of, skills that that translate well to to life you know as maybe far nothing as, gives you more humility than the game of golf too yeah <laughs> a lot of humbleness a lot of humility yeah. grit work ethic yeah um you know teamwork when you get when you get on a team obviously like like high school golf and college golf you're, yeah. you're still part of a team uh honesty and integrity I and mean, yeah. there, there's so many things especially the game of golf and the right. way so i think the they, way you it, hear the gentleman's sport all the time but you call your own penalties you i mean you you're almost your own referee to some degree it is it is truly a unique sport and the greatest, in my opinion, the greatest sport yeah. that there is. I just, I feel so blessed to have been able to be in it all those years and still be in it. Yeah. Take all the, all the places I've been able to go, the people I've been able to meet are amazing. Talk about the transition for a high school golfer into the college level and what that transition's like when you show up and you're probably golf more than likely uh, you can find success outside of your high school golf team, unlike being for a football player or something. You know, you can do seven-on-seven seven and go to camps. You can play, you know, junior tournaments in golf and be very successful outside of how good your high school team is. But what's the biggest transition from a high school golfer to a college golfer? I think the biggest transition is off the golf course, and that's just purely the time management side of it, handling your responsibilities. I pretty much never had a freshman who by, say, the middle of October – 
wasn't kind of like I just feel like I'm running on a treadmill. I feel no. exasperated. I can't keep up. I, I, I work out in the morning. I go to class. I'm eating lunch quickly just to get to the golf course on time. Then yeah. I'm leaving the golf course. I have a tutor, yeah. and, and they and they and so it's going real fast. I always liken it to what an NFL quarterback says when he first gets to the league. These guys, are everything's fast. fast. Yeah. Everything's fast. But then things slow down. And that's what happens with uh, with your time manager too. You learn how to handle it. Yeah. You learn how to you know structure your time better. Things slow down, and, and then that helps you play better golf because now you're not you're not stressed out when you're yeah. just at practice or qualifying, trying to try. You know, you're worried about that test you haven't studied enough for, or you, yeah. or, or you have two weeks of laundry you haven't done. Yeah, you know, that's the biggest thing. The 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 second biggest thing uh, from a pure golf standpoint is just the the um, the increase or the more difficult. Uh, level of golf courses that we play the longer yeah. the tougher and and then and then what I always tell people is summer golf and college golf are totally totally different summertime you're playing it's 85 degrees yeah, the ball's flying normal ball's flying it's usually not that uh windy uh you might play a course that we play say in the spring you play it in the summer you're like this this course isn't very hard and then we play it in March and it's 53 yeah, and the wind's blowing 30 two miles you know, it's gusting to 35 it's blowing yeah. 20 and all of a sudden 73 is a great round of of golf on that golf course so it's not the same as summer summer golf's easy yeah. compared to college golf in terms of just the scoring part of it sure um and that's a big adjustment for for young people to get used to because well, we we just before we even came on the air we we're talking about scoring averages of kids who are in college and if you just look at it statistically if you go and look at the scoring average of uh, the many tours in florida right now I mean, you're going to have to shoot 63, 64 to have a chance on those two-day tournaments. But the scoring average for a college golfer is going to be in the 72 range, and you're busting it. When and you're and you 72. could be pretty good, yeah. You're really, yeah, really yeah, good. You could be really you good. You could be an All-American at 70. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, 100%. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just different. I mean, you see guys when they say they're good college players, but they're not good enough yet to go straight to the tour like a, you know, like a J.B. Holmes did or like a Justin Thomas, and they go play these mini tours. where Their stroke averages immediately go way down, yeah. and it's because they're playing – one, they're playing in better can, you know, better weather, that sure. kind of stuff. They're also not playing the courses that we right. play. You know, yeah. like, like it's hard for, um, say, an Inverness club or a uh, Old Stone, let's say, if you want to use Kentucky, or Valhalla – they're not going to give up their golf course for some regional sure. mini tour event that right. nobody cares about. But but you you get college tournaments at places like that, yeah, Crooked Stick in, in Indianapolis, and we yeah. we've played some places that that wouldn't even you know consider having any kind of professional event unless it was right. a PGA Tour sure. or a major. And they're just harder. They're yeah. harder. And and mini tour events, you know, by and large, they're playing kind of easy places. And what you, you, know, you make a lot your, of birdies. What would you say is your favorite place to play when you're in college? Your your, your course that if you had to play it three times a week. Oh gosh. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, when I personally was in college, yeah, personally you. Yeah, well, back in that back in that day, we had a place uh, called Black Diamond that was about an hour out of town of Gainesville that we would go play once okay. a week, and it was and it just opened up and it was spectacular. It still yeah. is, yeah. but that was really cool. Um, you know, playing beyond that now, uh, I've been fortunate to play some pretty cool, yeah, pretty Since amazing a, places. What about to coach when you when you're at Kentucky? What's oh, your favorite place to go to? It's easily uh, Sea Island, Georgia, St. Yeah, Simon's yeah. Island. Yeah, I got you. The SEC tournament has been there for, gosh, I don't know. This would be like the 23rd year, 24th year, something like that. Yeah. The seaside course where uh, you know on St. Simon's Island, Georgia, is is paradise on earth for me. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. Maybe because some of the memories that live there too, and pretty good memories. We won the <laughs> SEC championship there That's one right. year. Uh, you know, we've had a lot, a lot of great times around that golf course. I actually got to play in the Gator Bowl Pro Am there back nice. in uh, December. So, yeah. so I actually got to play it, was which was incredible because I've, I've walked it a zillion times and yeah. 
coached on it, but for me to get to play it, I was I was do you, blown away. Do you away. get to play now? Do you, do you get to play more than to, you did? I do, I do play more than I did, yeah, yeah. I sure did. I, in fact, uh, I just shout out to Tylus. I just got fit up with Tylus. I've nice. got my new clubs, and nice. I can't wait to get more for the weather to break. Nice. Well, you can always come in here and hit inside. And I, I might do that because I need to test them out. <laughs> That's right, for sure. We I do need to test them out. Let's get you up to the – to the head coaching job at Kentucky. So you played at Florida. Uh, you're a student athlete there. Tell us the journey from when you left Florida and ended up at University of Kentucky as a head coach. So it was it was pretty uh, pretty pretty straight to be honest with you. Uh, with one little detour, I, I wasn't sure that I was going to play professionally. Yeah. Um, even though I did have a really good final year, fifth year senior year, I still was a little bit because my career as a whole was not that great. I, you know, I, I was on some great teams, yeah. uh, so it was hard to get in the lineup. Sure. You know, like we had some teams, you know, finished second in the NCAAs one year. I think of the five years I was there, we probably won the SEC three of the five. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, it was pretty good teams. And I worked, and worked on Hilton Head Island for one year and said, I've got I've to go do this. And I, when I was, I was working in the golf business, so I was yeah. still playing golf every day sure. and, and having some good matches there. And then so I turned pro, played for about three and a half years, uh, I, w- I had limited success. I had reasonable success, but not enough for me to keep going yeah. and and be Do, as. Would you think that you lost the fire to practice and to compete, or it's just like what would you say when you said, "Man, I, I just got to hang this up"? Were you good with that decision, or it was difficult? It, uh, that 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 shockingly was easy. Okay. Um, and and here's why. And here's what happened. Really, is is I was married already. Wife was pretty much supporting the family. You know, I played the 94 U.S. Open. I played in a couple uh, – back then it was called the Nike Tour where you Monday yeah. qualified in. And I did okay in some things. But I played in the Golden Bear Tour the first year they had it, South Florida, 1996. And I can remember playing in some tournaments and playing what I felt like was about as good as I could play. Like yeah. I felt like I didn't leave many shots out there. Yeah. And and a guy like Brian Gay, who was playing that tour at the same time, which still beat me by about – seven to ten shots okay. on the three-round tournament. You know, I'd, like, shoot I got under, the thing. I'd shoot three under, he'd shoot ten under. Okay. I'd shoot five under, he'd shoot, you know, 12, yeah. 15 under. Yeah. And I remember thinking, like, I, I, I didn't leave any out. Like, I got to the point where I could score my ball about as well as I could yeah. play. Yeah. And at that point, I said, I'm not good enough. I, I didn't put enough pressure on the golf course tee to green. My short game was tour level. 100 yards in, I was tour level, no question. But I didn't – I couldn't make enough birdies. Yeah. And at that league, at that level, you know, professional, because you, you got to make some birdies. Yeah. You know, 72, you know, unless the course is really hard, ain't going to sure. get it done. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's when I decided I, I need to go coach. I went to University of Florida, um, uh, back to my, my alma mater. Yeah. Buddy Alexander hired me as the assistant. I had a little gap in there where – you know, there weren't any job openings, but then one opened up after a few months, and uh, and I was really fortunate to get that. Was only there for two years, 97 to 99. Then I went to UCF, Central okay. Florida, which yeah. at that time was literally, you know, it was just a kind of commuter school, really, to be honest. Right. There's nothing, nothing like, it, like is it is today. Nothing like it is yeah, today. The Golden Knights are gold now. The, 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 it's, a, it's a great place, yeah. but it was really in the beginning stages athletically down there. Uh, but I had two seasons down there, and then the Kentucky job co- uh, opened up, and I was able to start here in the summer of 2001. Yeah. And, tell me, and tell me your first memories when you roll into Lexington. Oh, I loved it. I thought it was beautiful from the start. Um, I grew up in North Carolina, so yeah. you know I, I'm more used to this kind of culture, climate, uh, terrain. Yeah. You know, I'm not really a flatlander to be honest with you. I like, unless you. I can be right by the ocean or right by a big, beautiful yeah. body of water, I like to be somewhere where you have some terrain. It's a little cozy. It, it just—it's just what I grew up with. It's just yeah. what I'm used to. But uh, but I loved it right from the start, Lexington. Uh, welcomed me with and my family, Tammy, my wife, and yeah. at that time, I guess we had two. Yeah, Katie Beth and Carson just been born, and Philip was was born here. But 
Um, I loved it. Uh, yeah. Everything about it was great. Um, Larry Ivey actually hired me, and then Mitch Barnhart came in the next okay. year. Okay. So uh, that's when things really began to change, and, sure. and the program started growing. What, how were expectations set early on? What were your initial goals when you came? You're setting, you know, you've already played at a very uh, successful school like Florida, and you're entering the SEC at Kentucky. When you start setting realistic goals and becoming the head coach, what was your five-year plan if you had one? It says if we do these things, we're heading in the right direction. It, it, it was really simple, uh, to be honest with you, uh, Jason, because the at that time, and anybody that was here at that time could could uh, confirm this, the, the, re- the non-revenue sports, the Olympic sports, were pretty much an afterthought. Yeah. Um, and I'm not knocking that administration, but that's the way it was. Yeah. And they care about football, basketball, and stuff, but they, you know, golf, tennis, I mean, soccer. Yeah. They, it just was – it wasn't a broad-based program. And so my goal was simply to come in and let's get a whole lot better and let's, let's move to a better place for golf. Okay. That, that was literally my goal. Yeah. Uh, whether that was two years or four years or five years – and, and and we we had and then Mitch came in and Mitch did some incredible things. You know, like, it changed. It's different now. Well, you know, we got an yeah. assistant coach. I didn't even have an assistant coach when I started. Yeah. You know, now we get an assistant coach. We get better funding. Yeah. Um, you know, we built end up building this incredible golf house at the University Club of yeah. Kentucky, uh, and and then it became like, gosh, this is incredible. I don't want to. I don't want to leave. Sure. You know, here. So so at that point in time, my wife and I, but we had some opportunities to go some different. So to some, you know, look at some other places and everything, but we loved it here and, yeah. and didn't want to leave. So it really did change under under Mitch's leadership and yeah. became a broad-based program. He really got into every sport and supported every sport, and well, can, that was can, great. We can see the fruit of that now, that many years later, when you start looking at the volleyball, volleyball program and the, everything you look across the board. It, it, it's it's exceptional, yeah. yeah, it really is. And so 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 that that made it where we don't we don't want to leave. You know, yeah. we've had a great time raising our family here. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have my, both my uh, older two went went to UK, yeah. you know, and now my daughter's a nurse at UK, the Love hospital, it. UK yeah. Medical. Um, so we we've we've loved it every every bit of it. Let's talk about some stories when you're coaching. Uh, think about uh, think about the early classes, and you're starting to recruit. You're now the head coach of uh, the Kentucky Wildcats, and you're in the SEC, and it probably uh, um, is difficult for. And I'm just saying this out loud based on what you're telling me probably difficult initially without the funding and the facilities and the things you have to snag a All-American golfer or two when you're first starting to recruit. So tell me the trajectory of that. What's your philosophy? Who are you looking for when you first started? Well, let's start with the truth here is I was able to get the head job at Kentucky at that time in my career because it was the worst job in the SEC. I didn't want to say that, but that's what I was alluding to. For men's golf, it was the worst job in yeah, the SEC. That's what it's I was the, it, it's the it was it's the coldest, it's the most poorly funded, and it's the least success historically. Yeah, you know, like it was, you know, if you looked at the seventy year history before I got here, I think the team had finished fifth in the SEC tournament like once yeah. or maybe twice, and that was when there was only ten teams in the league. Yeah. <laughs> you know, not fourteen like right. like you know like twelve and fourteen like I came into. Um, so it, you know, let's call a spade a spade. If it was like it is now, they would have brought in somebody who had done more than I had done. Sure. Um, so I was very fortunate to be in that position. So, it, but then you got the recruiting part. Is you know, it's tough because you're Kentucky. Uh, you don't you haven't had any success. It's cold. You don't have a good indoor facility at that point in time. Yeah. So there's challenges in recruiting. And 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 what you end up doing though is you end up seeing you know and I and we did this. We had. We had as many of the best in-state players that we could keep around. Okay. 
you know, we tried to keep those kids around, and we did a pretty good job of that overall. We certainly lost some here and there, but, but yeah. overall, we did a pretty good job of that. And then, and then you would look a little bit internationally. We, we'd have a, a, a couple sprinkles of international here and there, but we didn't have a ton of that. Uh, in hindsight, might have, might have had more, should have had more, to be honest with you, to, in you. this yeah. climate zone to be really competitive. Maybe you need a couple more than sure. I had. You know, I heard a story from one of my good friends, named Christian Reese. He was a he was on the South African national team with Louis Oosthuizen and Charles Swartzel uh, when he was growing up. So that's that's who he came up with, and he had an opportunity to play golf in the United States. Uh, and as he's going through the recruiting process, he doesn't know the difference in Arizona State and Columbus State. <laughs> and uh, he ends up at Columbus State in Georgia and had all of these offers, an elite golfer, and had all these offers from these big-time <laughs> schools to him. He was coming to America where it's like everything's the same. Like, you know, we're going. <laughs> and he had a South African coach at, at Columbus State. Um, uh, Immelman. Immelman. Yeah, Mark and Immelman. So he followed him. And he's like, okay, I can go there. Yeah. But he had really big-time offers at other places. He That's didn't funny. know the difference. So he ends up winning, you know, the Division II National Championship. Yeah. They like, had some good teams there with Mark. Yeah, Mark really did a great good. job there. And uh, had some really good teams. So he ended, he was telling me the story like he didn't know that he didn't know what Arizona State was. <laughs> he wouldn't know that from Columbus State. They just, yeah, that's you know. that's I can I can see that for the yeah, internationals. So that's how you can snag some of those really well, you, talent. Well, if you're in the in in a little bit of a colder climate zone, you just sometimes have a chance to get a more accomplished player that might be international than yeah. you do. Um, than you do in America. And, and, and we, we had some good luck with even some kids coming from the south to the north. I had two kids come out of Orlando, Florida, yeah. Brad Doster uh, and Matt Kahn, who were under the radar, radar screen kids, but I saw something in them. And they ended up both being all SEC players. One of them was a starter uh, on our championship SEC championship team. The other one was, was actually redshirt now, if I remember correctly, or maybe he wasn't even here yet. But but the bottom line is they both end up being really, really, really good players. But had they been that good already at 18 years old, 17 years old, them, they yeah. probably would have gone to Florida or Florida State or yeah. Georgia or somewhere like that. They're not going to come to this climate zone. Sure. I mean, that's just, that's just fact. Sure. Now, you can get a great player maybe out of Michigan or New York or when Illinois. They upgrade their climate. Yeah. Where they're upgrading their climate and, yeah. and they don't want to go too far away from home. You, you sure. do have a shot at that. But the, 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 the chances of bringing um, – you know, uh, Jordan Spieth, you know, out of Texas, he's not coming to Kentucky right, right. at that age. Even even Justin Thomas, who had a great relationship with uh, with his dad, still and still do with Justin. I'll never forget him sitting in my office, and he wasn't even a Kentucky fan, by the way. You know, he grew up right. in Louisville. He, he was a, he was a Kentucky hater. He loved <laughs> Louisville. <laughs> Uh, love Louisville. Like, we would follow him on social media, and he would bash Kentucky <laughs> when he was in high school, like when Kentucky would win a game or something. So he wasn't even a fan. Yeah. But he came in my – and I'll never forget, he sat in my office, and he said, he said, if I stay in state, I'm coming to Kentucky, but I'm not going to stay in state. <laughs> Fair enough. He was going south. You he know? said, thank you, sir. He was going south. <laughs> but then, you know, you get – you know, like Chip McDaniel, who's assistant yeah. there now, right now. Chip's, Chip's up. He, he loves Kentucky, and he was good. And he, yeah. he could have gone anywhere, and he wanted to be in, in, in Kentucky. So you're going you're gonna to get so some let, kids let, like that, too. Let's make fun of Chip a little bit. You think the reason he wanted to come to Kentucky is because he thinks he actually could start as point guard for the basketball team? <laughs> he probably thought that That's he what could. I said. He probably he thought could. that he could. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and he was a pretty good ball player. He was a really good ball player. He dropped player. 29 points in Rupp Arena in a state high school uh, uh, right. uh, playoff game. Hear him tell it now. It was 79. <laughs> 79. So for, for potential um, high school golfers who may be listening that may tune in, Talk about the recruiting process and what you look at when you're evaluating talent 
before you would present a scholarship offer to a junior golfer or high school golfer? Yeah, that, that's a great question. So I, I think it, it boils down to, to two, simple, uh, two simple camps here. One, you're either already really good, like Chip was, yeah. right? Like, like – um, or take, you know, Justin Thomas, obviously. You know, somebody that's already really, really, really talented. They've got the record. You're, you're not evaluating their golf skills as much then. I mean, certainly you're doing it a little bit. But, you, you know, you're not necessarily looking at their fundamentals. Jim Furyk, right? You'd love to have a team full of Jim Furyk, even though they got crazy swing. They could, they could play, yeah. right? They've proven they could play. They were a proven commodity. So now you're looking at more of things like, uh, you know, their character. Are they going to be a good teammate? Their work ethic? Those kind of things, but you're 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 likely going to be going after those kids and giving them a scholarship, no matter what their fundamentals and technique look like, or how far they hit it, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Then you have the second camp, which is the harder part, and this is where you you, you know at, at Kentucky, I feel like you, you've got to do a little better job. You got to do a really good job of is you, is you need to find those diamonds in the rough. Yeah, you need to find those kids like. Like maybe polish those diamonds when they like, get here. Like, like, like the two Florida kids that I said. I mean, one of them, uh, Brad's dad was a bull gator. He would have crawled on broken glass to go to Gainesville, yeah. and, and, and Buddy wouldn't even give him a uh, – Coach Alexander wouldn't give him a walk-on spot on the yeah. team. I gave him a scholarship to come up here, a small scholarship, and prove himself. He redshirted his first year, and next thing you know, you know, he, he took off Started and ended up being really good. Yeah. Alex Goff right now, who, who is a star fifth-year player – on this team, he's tenth in the Division One rankings after the fall. This kid's a bona fide stud. Yeah, he he he's from North Carolina. He's from my neck of the woods, and he didn't have any of those schools after. Now he could have gone to UNC Wilmington yeah. or you know somewhere like that, but he didn't have any of the big schools over there after him. I saw him. I thought, man, this kid three years from now, two years from now, he's got more weight on him. I think he could end up being really good. And he was the same. He was the same model. He came in and redshirted his freshman year because he wasn't ready yet. And now this kid is legit. I think he's going to play the PGA Tour. I mean, yeah. this kid's a stud. He may not have a choice. He may have corn fairy status if he keeps up on the PGA U. He's doing great in the yeah. PGA U. Yeah, he's going to hopefully have status somewhere um, yeah. at, right out right after college, or at least at least get the second stage of Q school through yeah. that PGA Tour U. It's a huge deal. Huge deal. Huge deal. Yeah. So, talk about. Uh, I mean, I would love for people to listen to reminisce and call out names. What do you think was your first winning recruiting battle when you're battling Ooh. it out and you're like, man, this is like we we stole this kid in this battle and it was a little tug of war yeah that's a good one <laughs> i know we won a number of them with louisville i'm just trying to think of some specific names um or something that was a surprise somebody you really wanted uh who you thought you're going to lose but end up getting well i can tell you the other way <laughs> like no, i don't, don't want to talk about those <laughs> i can tell you uh, there's, there's a kid at iu right now who's a stud player who i Thought he was coming to Kentucky, yeah. and he's a senior at IU right now, named Drew Sawyer's, and he picked IU. Yeah, uh, he's from, and he's from, you know, he's from uh, Indiana, but uh, yeah. I still thought he, I still thought I was going to get. Come him. on, man! Uh, gosh, let me. Let, that's a great question. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of some some names. Uh, I'm sorry, we can come back to it. But I will say, I'll, I'll, let me back up to on the you talking about any junior players listening. Um, you know, the the other part of it, though is is coaches are when they're watching, you know, they're they're, they're watching. They're watching your 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 body language, your demeanor. Yeah. They're they, you don't have to play perfect golf when a golf coach is watching you. They're not looking to see if you can hit perfect shots all the time with somebody watching you. They they see your record. They can see yeah. what you're doing, they're, but they want to see how you go about your business. So are you, are you out there like a professional, or are you out there like a whiny little you know junior player who's not getting his way? Are you sure. you know what kind of what kind of presence do you have out there? What kind of 
poise do you have out there? Yeah. How do you handle adversity? You know, do you win with class and lose with, you know, with class and integrity? You're looking at all those things. Of course, you're looking at academics and, sure. and, and, and all that as well. But you want somebody on the team, you know, that's going to that's gonna give it their best shot. That's going to be sure. a great teammate. Well, and that's going to work their tail off. Yeah, you already alluded to it because you know something they don't know, which is when they show up, they're drinking out of a fire hose. Yes. And they're going to hit adversity. So if you don't have good character and you don't have – if you're not able to handle that appropriately, meaning like you can't handle a bad break because your ball ended up in a ball mark and you're going to throw a fit yes. and slam your club, well, what happens when you you have two weeks of laundry yeah. and you got to get to lunch fast and so they don't handle adversity as well? Yeah, that's you, exactly You right. already know that. They don't know it yet. They don't know it yet. They're just spoiled yeah, kids. It's, it's coming, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're, you go past the point where – you know, mama shows up on the seventh tee with a Gatorade and your yeah. favorite sandwich. I mean, we're not, we're, you know, we're past <laughs> that. You're playing against grown men who, That's right. who, uh, some of which, um, you know, might be getting married a month or two out of college, you That's know? Right. Uh, so yeah. it's, it's a different deal altogether, but, but, but how you, how you conduct your business, how you handle yourself, yeah. you know, what kind of passion you have for the game that that's usually takes a little digging to do to figure that out, but you can usually kind of uncover that. And, and those are the kind of kids that you, that you want on your team. There's a lot of people I talk to who believe that, if you get a Power Five Division One golf scholarship, that they're just fully funded, you get a full ride, and you get to do the whole thing. <laughs> what do you say about that? Yeah, I, I can't tell you how many times you hear, um, "Oh, so and so." Rumor has Kentucky offered him a ninety percent scholarship, <laughs> I, I, and I'm, I offered him like ten, you know, a ten percent right. scholarship or fifteen yeah. percent scholarship. I mean, yeah. there, it just doesn't happen. It's, so yeah. it's so rare. It's so rare. You're so you're so uh, limited with four and a half scholarships and, and trying to build a roster. We talked to many, many coaches on here and um, had the uh, offense coordinator from LCA for football, and we were talking about the transfer portal and how it has affected college football and high school football recruiting. Did you see any of that in the golf world when the transfer portal stuff became a little crazy in the last few years where you could have to basically – you know, keep your own talent home or that you may be filtering through that transfer portal to add a player. Yeah, so it started with COVID, with things getting really backed up and affecting the high school players because these kids all of a sudden got another year and they maybe you didn't plan on they were going to get that other year. So now all of a sudden everything's getting backed up. And then then it kind of goes into the portal is is what's happening. So now you really have – uh, you, you truly have two recruiting seasons now. You have the kids you're trying to bring along from high school. That is very important, and you got and you got to do. But you're seeing a lot of coaches now purposely holding back money and spots or a spot because as soon as May 1 or whenever that date is that the portal opens up for men's golf, there's going to be some names on there, and they're trying to get those kids. Yeah. And, and they're trying to bring one of those in. So it, it's not to the degree that you see in football and basketball, but a lot of that is just because we don't have the same numbers as they have. You know, golf's a lot smaller. It, it's, a, it's hugely impactful in our, in our sport, and, and it, I, don't, I don't see it changing. Okay. You think it, do you think it's getting worse? Do yeah. Do you think it has the yeah. potential to get worse? I, I, I think it could get worse if we don't come up with some kind of boundaries yeah. on not just the portal, but NIL. Yeah. And figuring out a way to make that – uh, like I'm all for these people make young people making money. I think it's great. I think it's yeah. phenomenal. But even the NFL has, you know, they have a salary cap. They sure. have boundaries. They have contracts. Well, you can't, we have Brock Purdy who's making less money than Deion Sanders' son at Colorado. Y- exactly. He's going to the. He may go to the Super ex- Bowl. 
<laughs> That's exactly right. And you even you've even had like even in the SEC the last couple of years, there, there's been like a kid leave a school uh, from like a Big Ten school or a Big Twelve school, come to an SEC school. Rumor is getting forty or fifty thousand uh, dollars to transfer in there. Yeah. And, you know, that's just – I don't know. I, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm all for the NIL, like make money off your name, image, and likeness, but that's not doing that. That's just pay for play. That's yeah. all that is is pay for play. Have you seen um, Have you seen any of the golf industry infiltrate the college golfers like Titleist and Callaway? Oh, yeah, those, absolutely. Those plans where they can come in and try to find those young, talented people early and, and get them on a deal? Well, they've, ar- they've already – for years they've done a great job of being present and sure. trying to, you know, get these kids – on their staffs, and, but they're just giving them balls and clubs yeah. and shoes yeah, yeah. and fittings and stuff like that. Now, um, like I know uh, Caleb Surratt at Tennessee, who's a great player, sophomore out of out of the North Carolina uh, state of North Carolina. I think he's um, I can't remember. Now. I think he's Taylor made Adidas, and um, he could be Callaway, but I think he's making pretty substantial money from them. Yeah, uh, Gordon Sargent at Vanderbilt, who's who's a, who's a legit star. I mean, this this kid is yeah, yeah, so sure. good. Like. He, I got to see him play really kind of my own eyes at the SEC Championship last um, spring for the first time. Man, he is uh, – it's amazing how good he is. And I think uh, Tylus has taken pretty good care of him. Yeah. And, and I would be too if I was Tylus sure. because he's going to turn pro and sure. they want him. Yeah. So it is It is absolutely those manufacturers. They have to do it, I think, for, if they're think th- so if the kids too. are at that level. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that investment pays off for them? I don't know. I, I, I've I always – I think I'm on the fence about that. I've always been curious about – how that pays off, even even with the, uh, a tour player and paying him X number of dollars, I've always been curious. Like, does that really pay off? Like, like how well, many sets of clubs yeah. have to be sold to pay that? Yeah, it's a we, lot. But we know the Tiger effect that's happened, right? And some of the talent that you've recruited through the years is because Tiger Woods existed, because their true. dads grew up idolizing Tiger Woods. True. They grew up, so we know that effect exists. That's true. But that's a that's not a generational. That's a multi generational talent that that comes along um, from a marketing standpoint. You know, good, Correct. Good looking, ripped up dude who's just the best thing that's ever walked on a golf course. Yeah. That doesn't happen very often. So I'm often confused because we've been trolling around the driving ranges of the PGA Tour, the Champions Tour, and I see how the relationships happen on the PGA Tour with equipment reps and trying to get people on your staff and doing those things and how they're taken care of and. Here's another club. Here's another club. Try this. Try this. And I said the same thing as you. Is like the amount of equipment I just saw roll out of that van. Like they're gonna have to sell a whole lot of stuff at Dick Sporting Goods <laughs> to make up for what just happened. Oh, I know. And the, and the money they're paying these some of these guys just to have them on staff. Yeah. Like it, it just seems like how many sets of golf clubs do you have to sell? A lot. Yeah. So so I don't know. I, it'd be interesting to see the studies on on that stuff. Yeah, because like for me, I'm an avid. I won't call myself a golfer, but I'm a, a obsessed by golf. Right. But I never go to the pro shop and say, what is Jason Day hitting right, today? Right, right, right. What did Gordon Sargent have in his bag? <laughs> I, don't, I don't care. Like, yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit the club and get fitted for it and find out, did right. it work? Right. Talk about TrackMan and, and metrics and all that stuff because you were coaching prior to – people being able to put a track man on a ground and, and find out what their ball speed is and this and that and and then post the technology that we have now. Did you see any difference of improving your students based on introducing that technology? I, I think it's incredible, first of all, for the game. And I was right in the middle of that, right? Like I'm coaching where yeah. there was no such thing as track man. And then all of a sudden, hey, there's this thing called track man. And it, and it does this, this, and this. And 
And and what I've what I've seen with my own experience is that if if you if you're a player and not a coach using it like a swing teacher who's really doing it all day every day understands yeah. all the numbers because that thing spits out a lot of numbers as many as you want. I mean it's an, it's unreal. It, but if you're a player and you can keep it really 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 simple to the things that are only pertinent to you, it can be an, an amazing resource to help you get better. Yeah. And those things are like distance control, like maybe you know when you hit it your best, how much in to out you are, yeah. or how much you swing left, or or he hit up on a drive, or just some really and also fitting club fitting has yeah, been yeah. huge, huge yeah. in club fitting obviously, but if you get caught, problem is you can get caught up in all the other stuff and yeah, and what's get, my shaft angle and yeah, get kind of trapped in some stuff yeah. and and that doesn't work, you know, so you have to really keep it simple to you and pertinent to you. Yeah. Let the instructors who do that all day every day. Sure really mess with all the the, the other numbers. I mean, yeah. I, I remember listening to, listening to a podcast with Steve Elkington, who was a great player. Remember, Steve Elkington won oh, yeah. 19 times uh, on the PGA Tour in like a in the I think in the um, whenever that it was like a 10 year span. He won like 19 times. This guy was a stud, and he said he finally you know hit on for like the first time he hit on TrackMan, and they and TrackMan has these they have these charts. They have the, yeah. the ranges, right? Yeah. Good, how, bad, or indifferent. How many down for the six yeah. iron and this, that, and the other. And, and it, it was great. This, this was the mindset to me of, a, of, a, of an elite player. He was like, he was like, I, he's like, I, I hit. And he said, I wasn't anywhere, anywhere near all these averages. And he goes, he goes, and who hits their irons better than me? Right. He's like, I think track man needs new and numbers. Reset their averages. Yeah. Like he, it, it, but what happens with the lesser players, they look at it and go, Oh my gosh, I'm not in the range. Yeah. I got I don't hit down on my nine iron enough. I don't do this or that. And you can get really sure. mixed up in that and can be, and can be really, really bad. The, the second thing is um, that I love are the analytics that we have now. Yeah. So, so I always knew that regular stats were in golf were worthless. I really did, but I couldn't tell you exactly why, but I just knew inherently yeah. that fairway hit green hit, hit putts per round was literally worthless and then we finally got mark brody came along analyzed all those millions of shots on the shot link data for the tour and we came up with strokes gain data yeah and and then it made sense yep. and then it all made sense because because you know like like green's hit everything's depend on the old stats everything was dependent on something else like your bunker up and down was dependent on not just your bunker shot you hit but the how good a putter you were yeah you know and, and now we can measure just your bunker up and now we can measure just how you are from a five footer we can measure how you are from 30 feet we can 100 150 to 175 yards how are you you know where do you stack up there's so many things now that we can measure and measure them properly for example in the past you had a front flag and you hit it on the green but it released to the back you had a 50 footer but you're on the yeah. green that was a green and hit that was a green G looked like you did your job right and, and, and the other guy the other guy you played with you know hit it and he was a foot off the front of the green, 18 feet from the hole with an easy flat putt, and he got a green missed. Yeah. Well, who would you rather be, really? Who, which ball would you rather play, right? right? Sure. So now we can we can measure all that, and um, and so I think that's been great. And, and so we well, like, we started using a, a stat program called Up Game. You obviously had deck, you have Decade Golf. Um, there's a, I think Clipped might do it now as well. But you have some great programs where even the college player, the amateur player, the junior player can get information to help them see where their strengths are, their weaknesses, and then what they need to train, what they need to work on, and it be accurate. It could actually be accurate, not just, oh, this green. I mean, say you hit 10 out of 14 fairways, not bad, but two of them were out of bounds. Yeah. Well, in the old stats, it was just 10 divided by 14. Here's how many fairways you hit. You know, now that would look at strokes gain and go like, that was really bad driving. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so it's it's way enhanced. Talk about – we were talking about the recruiting stuff and all the other stuff before. Talk about uh, some country boy from Taylor County. 
named J.B. Holmes. I, I do have some good J.B. Holmes stories. I told you that before we got on here, we're going to tell at least one or two. I do have some good J.B. Holmes stories. Um, you know, some kids just have, I say kids when I first met him, young, young man. Uh, they, in third grade when he started the high school team. <laughs> in third grade playing high school golf, which is still the most ridiculous thing I think I've ever heard of, that he actually played, he actually lettered in the third grade on in high school golf. But some people just have – they have moxie. They're born with, with moxie, and he's got it. You know, now, granted, he's got great skills, and, and he's an incredible driver of the golf. I mean, like, I'd say when he, when he left college, I told a number of people, he's the best driver of the golf ball in the world. Like, at that point yeah. in time, there was nobody any better. And maybe, maybe there was a couple guys tied with him. There was nobody better than him. Yeah. When you combine accuracy and, and distance, it was incredible yeah. how this guy drove a golf ball. Um, but – but he he just had like here's a perfect example he's a he's a freshman, and we got a couple of upperclassmen on the team at that time who were uh, pretty strong buff guys. Um, one of them was a junior, one was a senior at this point in time. And we first trip we're going on flying. It was the first actually trip we're flying in the fall, so we we don't even all know each other that well yet. Really, yeah. like this is early on, and we pull up Bluegrass Airport, and our our. Our protocol was I would pull up in the big one of those blue church vans that we had at UK, yeah. and everybody would unload, and they would all carry the luggage in. I'd go park it, and then and they would be waiting in line. I'd come in, and boom, we'd all check in. And so we're in the back, doors are open, and and uh, I called because I called him John. But uh, a couple of these guys go, "Hey, freshman, get our bags," and they, and they were trying to be tough, like they were they were yeah. they weren't smiling. They were saying they were right. trying to be yeah. trying to be tough, you know. And literally, and, and, and at that point in time, JB already had his bag on his shoulder, and I think he had his, his golf bag he was, he was carrying. He'd taken about five steps from him heading in, and that's when they were trying to get him to turn around. And he literally just turned around, looked at me, said, when you can beat me, I will, and just turned back around and walked right into the, into the, to the lobby of the airport. And they both just kind of looked at each other kind of like, uh, and they just sheepishly leaned down and picked up their bags yeah. and just kind of walked in. They were behind like, them. I don't know if we can meet him or not. Like, there's nothing they could say, yeah. right? There's nothing they could say, you know. But that's the kind of self confidence, kind of yeah. moxie that he had. He just, he just had it. Yeah. He, he was incredible, uh, an incredible athlete. But that's a rare thing, to be honest. You've seen a lot of kids come through, and there's very few times where um, you see someone on his trajectory to the PGA Tour. Where you come in and you're very successful. I mean, you're playing and you're in third grade, you're successful. You're in Taylor County and everyone knows right. who you are on the junior. They don't want to play in the tournaments you're playing in. Yeah. They're because lose. it's not fair. Yeah. They're playing he's, for he's 47 yards up or 67 <laughs> yards up from where we're at. And then we were talking about um, his swing is not conventional. No, he, he's got means. his own swing. And uh, but he's got I his think own it swing. came from and he I think he said this when he was talking to with Matt Killen was like I had to when I'm young. I have to try to hit with these older people, so I had to figure out how to manufacture club head speeds or whatever it became. Well, he did what it. it became, and uh, but I think one of the beauties of that is is you would never dream at that point of changing his swing. Oh no! When he shows up at Kentucky, you say no. It is, and it's a demonstrated performance. You see what kind of talent it is. But there's some coaches who may try to tweak that and may try to change so, something. So his his dad uh, Morris Holmes, who who I just love to death. He, he told me early on, he's like, basically, he's like, my son has had the same swing since the third grade. Like, it's looked the same since he just picked up a golf club. And and he, he was also, JB was also a really unusual talent in that he came in without a swing coach, which which almost never happens. Yeah. So through his whole college career and then into his rookie year on tour, I was the only one that he would let, you know, basically look at his golf swing. Yeah. But but here here's what it was. It was always – 
basically just simple fundamental stuff. Like I knew how he set up to it when he hit his best. It really wasn't much swing stuff. It was yeah. mainly just setup stuff, alignment, and things like that. Stuff to get that's him, repeatable. Yeah. Get him back in track. And it, and it wasn't like, hey, we're going to draw any lines on your swing. And, and change. We're, we're not going to do that. I mean, why why would you do that? You hit it literally like a rock star. Yeah. Why would you do that? Yeah. And and I even told him, I, I, I counseled him before he turned pro. I said, you're going to get out there on tour, and you're going to get some big-name instructors. And they're gonna maybe they're gonna be attracted to you, and they're gonna maybe want to put your swing on there and start drawing lines and yeah. mess with. It. I said, I, I was like, don't let them do don't that. Don't even look at it. I said, do not let them do that. Uh, you know. And then when and then so I remember I went and worked with him at the U.S. Open at Wingfoot in his rookie year, so the summer, uh, June of his rookie year, and which I guess have been two thousand six. And he he um, shortly thereafter, I want to say. Is when he started to work with Matt Killen. Yeah. In fact, I feel like uh, we, we played a practice round with Kenny Perry, and Matt was help, helping Kenny at that time, and we all walked around together. And, and so I talked to Matt a little bit and kind of told him the same thing. Like, you know, there, there was very little – like there was a little bit of rhythm and tempo stuff because his hips were so unbelievably fast, yeah. sometimes just syncing that up. But but it was very, very small stuff. And and, and I'll give Matt credit because then shortly thereafter is when he started working with Matt and still does. You know, he's had a long relationship with Matt. And – and Matt, I think, has done a great job with him because he's massaged little things here and there. But let it exist. But yeah. let it – that's his fingerprint. That's his DNA. And you cannot you cannot just radically change that. Uh, and, and you see how repeatable it is and the way it works. That is, that's what a good golf swing is. That yeah. That is a good golf swing. If it's yeah. repeatable and it works, it sends that ball where you want it to go, that's what a good golf swing is. Yeah. And he's got it. He's, he has it. He's yeah. got it. <laughs> if, if history repeats itself – and it doesn't always because eventually it quits repeating itself. He has to win this year on the PGA Tour. Yeah. Uh, because uh, every time he's been in a bind, he's had adversity through his PGA he Tour career. He has had plenty. And you start talking about having a brain surgery. You start talking about trying to be, you know, get on a skateboard or some roller skates. <laughs> Roll, there's roller, roller, roller blades. Roller blades, yeah. yeah. So he's had a lot of adversity. Every time his back's been against the wall and his card was in jeopardy, he puts a win on the board. That is Five very times. true. Yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, so. when his back's against the wall, he tends to play his best, yeah. doesn't he? He ain't trying uh, to pick up some some sophomore's back. No. <laughs> so no. So I, if I, history repeats I, itself, then uh, we're looking for a win this year, and I wouldn't be disappointed if it happens at Genesis again. And you know, that'd be pretty fun. That'd be pretty it? fun. I was actually out there for we that. We might win. burn a couch if that happens. <laughs> Are you in on that? I would be totally in on that. I, right. I was out there, you know, when he won that, the, the last one yeah. at Genesis and got to watch that. It was pretty incredible. Yeah. He's like, I think they're sending me a car. <laughs> I got to tell you another, another story of him that, that kind of re- reflects his, um, you know, his, his, just his, his, his attitude, his, his toughness and, and his self-belief. So I'm just learning how far this guy hits the golf ball. I, don't, I mean, I know he kills it, but I don't know how far he hits his irons. And we're at Vanderbilt, which was the first term of the fall, if I remember correctly. And um, I come around a corner in a golf cart, and I see him in, in the middle of a fairway on a par five, and he was waiting. So I'm like, I, I had time to get up there. And I, and I walk up there, and I get out, and we're standing side by side, and we're both looking at the flag or looking at the green, waiting on the team to, up there to yeah. finish the group. And and it's very intently, you know, it's, it's a very intense moment in, in in that regard. There's no jovialness here, no laughing here. And I said, "How far do you have?" And he goes, "You know, two, you know, thirty, I think, or something like two twenty-seven." Yeah. He goes, "I think it's a five iron." And I said, and "You're like in what world?" And I said, "Well, how far do you hit a five? And we're, the whole time we're not even looking at you, we're looking ahead at the green. Yeah. I said, "I said, well, how far do you hit a five iron?" And he said, "As far as I want to." <laughs> and I literally said, "Well." 
I guess How it's a five do iron. you want to? I, I said, well, I guess it's a five iron. And I got in my car, <laughs> car and drove off, and he knocked it on the green with a five iron, a two-putter for a birdie. And, um, you know, so it, it, it was – I've got so many stories um, with with having him around, and he was he was such a joy to coach, and I'm still close with him. In fact, I'm trying to get down to Nashville and play a round of golf with him here at some point yeah. in time when it warms up. I'd love to you, see his new place. To talk about how unique he is, what professional golfer leaves Florida and moves to Nashville? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Only J.B. Holmes. Only yeah, J- he, he was down at Concession, which is he probably was. the nicest practice facility Incredible may, place. maybe in the world. Incredible place. Um, and – it's a hard golf course. And it's really hard. It's a really hard golf course. Yeah, I and love concession. I think he got tired. He didn't say this. I think he got tired of getting beat up by his home golf course. So <laughs> he might have. <laughs> it's a hard golf course, isn't it? Want to go to Nashville and <laughs> take care of that. Um, let's talk about Chip McDaniel a little bit. Hey, and another one with Moxie. Yeah, I was going to say that. Another if you start one with Moxie. In, somebody who comes in and, man, it probably self-confidence is not an issue. Yeah, I tell you what, I, I love you know Chip and I are really tight. I mean, we we talk all the time. Uh, I, I just think he's the also, world. He's the assistant coach at Kentucky. He is now. assistant coach yeah. at Kentucky. I was tickled to death when Gator Todd hired him. Yeah. I just thought that was tremendous. Uh, in fact, I I, I got to uh, find out uh, you know very very quickly on that and call him and congratulate him. I was so excited for him. But and also now you know Jacob Cook is the second assistant because they yeah. NCAA has allowed another yeah, paid yeah. assistant. So I yeah. love that too. Cookie is I mean that that's just a great They're team. A pretty dangerous combo. That's a great team. Yeah. yeah, all three of those guys. That's a great team. But um, Chip had uh, you know he 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 you got a lot of you got to respect somebody that comes out of Manchester, Kentucky. The resources they have for golf are a nine hole course that basically doesn't have a driving range. Has a little circle for a for a putting green. It's about the size What's it of this called? What's that course called? Big Hickory. The Big Hickory. Yeah. Big Hickory. It's about the little circle the putting green hick. about the size of this room right here, and and that's it. Yeah. And and, and this kid just overcame the odds, you know, like he just worked and worked. And, and then he also put his clubs up and played basketball in the offseason. Yeah. He was a good basketball and player. And great basketball player. And, and so I just, you know, that kind of a kid that can overcome those, you know, not having all the resources that all these other kids have and become as good as he obviously was and is, uh, I just have a ton of respect for him like that. I think that's incredible. His dad, Todd, Todd Sr., at one point in time, literally got – because, you know, Todd Jr. played – for me as well. Yeah, yeah. So He's I had a few bo- years older. I looked a few years older. Had both the McDaniel brothers, and and his dad Todd Senior actually went and got creek sand at one point in time and built a bunker with creek sand on their property because the golf course they played didn't have a bunker on it. So that's how they could practice their bunker yeah. play. Was a creek. His dad went and shoveled out creek sand to make a bunker. Man, his parents are awesome. Oh, they're, they're Todd and Jeff are the best. I love the best. I love watching a golf tournament with his dad because. He's so nervous. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he will be four holes ahead with a with a five hundred X set of binoculars, so he can he, watch the he, tournament. He uh, he's great. Yeah, I I couldn't. I'm I'm. They're like fam- they're like my family to be yeah. honest with. They, they literally, and I, I've got that relationship with a lot of our former players to yeah. be honest with. That I, I'm as comfortable in their home as I am in my own house. Yeah. And, Why and would I, you I, be? And they're I just love awesome. That. Yeah. I just love that. It was hard not to be. Got married recently, obviously. Chip did, you yeah. know, and beautiful, beautiful bride and Sarah. So yeah. I just, I just love it, and, and I'm excited for for his future. I, yeah, we we were all very, very selfish for when we when he started hanging up the golf clubs because we loved the watching him compete. Well, I mean, and, you know, uh, this kid, this kid's. I mean, he's a tour player. He's just not on tour. He is. You know, and and for you know he got a little tired of the grind. I think yeah. you know, um, and and that's understandable. I I, I get it. Yeah. But but he he is that good. You know, he's the he thing is I like most about him. Uh, when we started watching, when he's coming back and he's already a professional, 
and we would have these kind of like open events in the state of Kentucky, he would come back up and just mow people down. <laughs> yeah, he's like, "This is my state." Yeah, like he's coming back to these, and there's some really good players who are still playing, and they're coming back in. Even the people, you know, JB Williams wins the Kentucky Open three years in a row. In a row, and we got Brendan Doyle, and we got all these Kentucky kids who are coming back. Chip's like, "Not in my state." <laughs> like he's and, lapping these kids. And one that comes to mind was there was a, a, a an off tournament that I can't even remember who put it on. Now you might remember it was at the U Club, the University Club back about four or five is before COVID. So just before COVID. Yeah. And he shot, if I remember correctly, he shot 21 under for three rounds out yeah. there. And just well, killed, that's, and that's just, the particular one I'm talking is that, about. Yeah, just killed everybody. He shot 21 back. under for three rounds. Yeah. And everybody's like, what just happened? Just killed everybody. Like yeah. it wasn't even close. Yeah. You know? I love it. Uh, he, yeah. He's, he is quite the talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm happy that, um, I'm happy for him. He went to Eastern for a year, I think, he did. and was an assistant coach there. I was really, really happy when he gets put the blue back on again. I, I, I Can I tell a story on him, Oh, too? yeah, please do. Um, it's got one small cuss word in it. Is that okay? That would be just On a podcast? Fine. All right, so Chip's got moxie, too. He, he wants the ball at the end of the game, you know, just like JB. And we're playing the regionals at Texas A&M in 20 uh, – what was that? 2018, I think it was. And it could have been 2019, but it, it was it was down to the wire. It's the last day. We're 10 shots behind Ole Miss to get the last spot yeah. to go to the finals on going into this last day. Chip's in our anchor spot. Cooper Musselman's on that team, too. Um, we had a good team. Fred Allen Meyer, Max Malis. We had, we had a good team. And, but we're, we're behind Ole Miss. They had Braden Thornberry at that time, who you know was, was a superstar in college. Yeah. Uh, we're starting on the front nine. Uh, they were starting on the back nine, and they finished a little ahead of us. And they were they were beating us the whole day. And then all of a sudden, uh, with three holes to play, they had a kid make a huge number. Fred Allen birdied a par three, and all of a sudden, we're within like one. And we were back, we were like eight, nine, ten back, and all of a sudden we're within one. And, and we started like I said, ten back. And so it, Chip's <laughs> Chip's coming up seventeen, and I've been walking out front with uh, I think it was Max, and then I stopped on seventeen to kind of get some other guys come through in case there was anything situational that we need to know. Well, Chip hits in the front bunker and catches a bad lie, hits it out to like eighteen feet. Ole Miss now is finished in the house, and and they have a one they have a uh, they have a we have we now have a one shot lead, yeah. and I'm thinking okay, so he's gonna make bogey. I'm gonna have our best player on the eighteenth hole tied. I'll take that. We were 10 sure. back going into the round. I'll take that, right? Well, so I'm watching with a couple other people. Um, I think Tim Philpott, our volunteer assistant, and Joe Sharp, who at that time was our sport liaison. And we're around a corner because I'm trying to get to 18T or down the fairway, and I'm watching a putt. It was like an 18-footer. He literally started walking with five feet to go, and it went dead center, <laughs> okay, dead center. So now I'm like, okay, we got a one-shot lead really with our now. best player on yeah. the 18th hole. And the 18th hole is a big hole. If you hit a good drive, though, you can crest the hill, and it, you'll pick up 20 or 30 extra yards, and you can at least get a reasonable a shorter shot in. He probably hit the best drive of the week. He just crushes it. and gets over the hill, goes all the way down the, to the to the kind of the – to a little bit of the bottom. And he's got 100 – it was either 114 or 117 yards to a back right flag that's a plateau about the size of your, of your dinner table. I mean, it's yeah. a small plateau. Plenty of green left of it. But up on this plateau, there's not much there. I walk out in the – so we need to par. So yeah. I walk out in the fairway, and I'm like, you know, good, good putt back there. And he's like, thanks. And I'm like, just keep playing. Just keep doing what you're doing. We're fine. <laughs> and that's code for we don't, need anything, we don't need anything <laughs> crazy, right? Yeah. We don't need anything crazy. And most, most kids in that scenario, in fact, almost every one of them would be like, okay, all right, thanks, coach. 
Chip looks me dead in the eye, and we're almost nose to nose, and he goes, Coach, I don't want any bullshit. Where do we stand? (laughs) And I said, we have a one-shot lead. And he said, so par gets us through? And I said, yes. And he goes, okay. And I patted him on the backside, and I walked over to the side of the the hole, and he made it. He hold it out. He hit a he hit a prettiest wedge shot you ever saw. He club twirled it right after he hit it. So I thought, <laughs> oh yes, I'm not too worried. As soon as I saw that club throw, I'm like, uh, it's gonna be good. And it literally hit by the hole, jumped up three feet past, and came back My in like goodness. a putt. And if it yeah. hadn't gone in, it'd been about a six inches. Yeah. He made it. He made it. And and it was just the rest. It was it was probably the coolest moment I've ever had yeah. on the team because of of the situation we were in. Yeah. So we ended up being. You know, we were ten back. We ended up making about three shots. Yeah, <laughs> over Ole Miss, and then went to the NCAA up. finals and in uh, uh, Stillwater, Oklahoma. Yeah, that is yeah, that's incredible. Great story, yeah, great I mean, story. But it fits his personality perfect. A hundred percent perfect. Like that's who he is. Hundred percent perfect. Can we talk about Colin Brown? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. We, we would be remiss to sit down and talk about Kentucky golf without doing that. Yeah, you're right, Colin. Colin uh, and his whole family, honestly, are the finest people God ever put on this earth and and I I just uh, my heart still hurts for for them and yeah. and and what he went through it was very difficult. He was an incredibly talented golfer. Unbelievable player. Incredibly talented. Unbelievable player. Totally talented <laughs> cooker. Intentionally incredible. Like in, hunter, incredibly hunter, fisherman, but more than anything <laughs> if you we if we put 15 people in this room and they all believe different things and you put him in there, I guarantee you could take a majority out on his team. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So the he, type of human he was. He, he is, was the kindest soul, the most um, uh, most incredible guy to be around. Everybody was attracted to him. Yeah. Uh, he, he treated everybody so much with so much class and dignity and, and love, and, and, he, and he was the same every single day. I never, I never saw him change. Yeah. He ended up um, – Playing at Barbasol. Um, great story. Great story. Let's hear that. Let me hear your perspective so, on so, that. So here, here's the deal. Here's the deal with my boy Cullen. He had, he actually had balance in his life. Okay, this kid. You know, most of these kids. That, you know, you hear, hey, you need to have balance. Yeah, well, you know what? They, I tell you what, they, they play golf and they go to school and that, and, and they don't have much balance to be honest with you. Um, I hope they do maybe when they get a little older and they have sure. a family because you got to and you have a family. Yeah. But I'm just telling you, when you're at this stage, you, you don't have a ton of balance. Well, Cullen did. I mean, he still read books. Like this kid would read a 400-page book on the way to a tournament and then read another 400-page book on the way back. Like if we had a long van ride. Yeah. I, I can't even remember the last time I saw anybody reading a book other than a school book, than a school sure. book. He, I'm talking about books he'd just read because sure. he wanted to read, like yeah. country western novels. Figure, yeah, figure out how to make a better t- – Steak, <laughs> or, or or like he got into horticulture at one point in time yeah. and started, you know, so he, he would just read. Uh, so he was, a, he truly was a throwback. But so he had balance. So the season ended uh, where he finished top ten in the SEC championship as yeah. a freshman. He only got to play the spring because he had a hamate bone uh, repaired over the summer. Didn't get to play the fall. Got to play the spring. First round back was six under par at one point in time yeah. in Tallahassee in February, right? He he, he shot sixty four at Vanderbilt, okay, um, and then he finishes top ten in the SEC championship stroke play. I mean, this kid, I mean, like he's a stud, right? Yeah. And the season's over. Well, he you know it's calling. He needed a little bit of a break, so he really wasn't even practicing much golf. He was probably hanging out with his family. He was probably cooking. He was probably fishing a little bit. Yeah. And all of a sudden, he gets a call that he's in the barbersaw with a sponsor's exemption. 
uh, sponsor exemption who who I'm pretty sure uh, that Emma Talley helped with because Emma at that time was okay. sponsored by uh, the Pure Silk, which is Barbersell's women's brand, right? Sure. And and so anyway, he he he's like, oh, I I better start practicing, right? Like the, uh-huh. I got I'm in the barbersaw. He called me. He's like, hey, coach, I'm in the barbersaw in like he's seven like, what? days, whatever. <laughs> so he starts practicing, starts working on his game, starts tuning up, comes up here, and promptly shoots ten under par in the barbersaw right after his freshman year. You know, just ten under par. And and the <laughs> the best story about it all is his caddy, who was a local uh, pro down in his area, um, Barry uh, Barry uh, Kite, had a heat stroke. It was really hot. It had heat stroke. It, it was blazing it, hot. And, and huh? couldn't couldn't finish. So I, he did Thursday, Friday, but he couldn't finish. So we were going to have Ben Fuquay caddy for him, who was my assistant and his you know his assistant coach. But NCAA rules, we found out you can't do that. It has to be like an open or an amateur, like a open championship before you can do that, like a the United States sure. type championship. Yeah. So, so so it's like forty five minutes before he tees off on Saturday, and his and I think Colin's like, well, Dad, you're it, you know, or his dad's like, hey, I'll caddy. Rodney, who, you know, physically, I mean, that guy could caddy. He could walk 72 holes in one day. I mean, he's strong as an ox. and um, But but he's a little nervous because, like, there's an etiquette out there with tour caddies. Like, you better know what you're doing. Like, I would even be a little nervous because you better know what you're doing, the way they communicate, the way, hey, you get the flag because your guy's last putting. I'll rake your guy's bunker. I'll clean your guy's golf ball. There's a whole system the way that yeah, works re- remind me to tell a story on that when you finish okay. this one so Rodney's a little nervous right so they they get out there caddy and he's playing the front nine of uh, champions and champion trace and and then he hits it on the green he gets now he's he fast forward he gets number nine to par three over water he hits it on the green he's like 30 feet from the hole they're doing that big walk around the lake on the side and, and Cullen says to his dad he says hey six in a row would be pretty cool wouldn't it and his dad says he said what <laughs> and he said dad six in a row six birdies in a row would be pretty cool wouldn't it and his dad said what, what are you talking about? He said, Dad, I've birdied the last five holes. <laughs> he didn't he know because he's wrecking bunkers. He birdied five holes in a row. His dad yeah. didn't even know it. Yeah. His dad didn't even know it. And his dad was like, really? <laughs> and, he two, and he cool. two-putted for, uh, for uh, you know, the, the streak ended. But but what that ended up being his um, – that was actually on um, – that was, I think that might have been Saturday's round. But, but the bottom line is his dad – that was – his last competitive golf. That yeah. was his last competitive golf. Might have even been his last golf, but it was definitely his last competitive golf. Yeah. And his dad, Rodney, got the caddy for him on the 36th hole, you know, over the weekend, which to me is, is I mean, like, it's, un, it's, un, it's all, it's, it's kind of freaky to be honest with you. Like it that, is. like, cause, and they're such a close family. And for his dad to get the opportunity to do that and be that, be with his son like that for those 36 holes yeah. to me you know almost just makes me tear up every time I think about it I've got my favorite picture of them is at the barbersaw it's after the round they're in front of the barbersaw sign it's the whole family you know it's it's Rodney it's Emily it's Catherine who's on the women's golf team now in yeah. Kentucky and Cullen and Rodney's got the caddy towel around his neck and it's my favorite picture of that family yeah. and they're both sweating their face off. yeah oh it, it was, was hot. so hot that it week. was brutal yeah brutal that's so good man and then we start talking about, and I, and I said this many times about him, and I didn't personally know him. I was really close. We were following with Chip. We were, right. we were kind of being around and, and knowing. But I followed him very closely because he's very funny on YouTube. Oh, very the funny. best. Like he's interviewing people with water bottles yeah. <laughs> wherever he can go. Yes. And people loved him. Follow very closely. And, but I can tell you that we all can hope and pray that we impact people like he did. Like he did. I know. I, I, I've, I, listen, if I've said it once, I've said it a hundred times. If, if God lets me live to be 80, I will not have impacted as many people as he did yeah. living to be 19. In, in his life and in his death. Yes. The same. 
It's it's incredible. Like I couldn't go anywhere. You couldn't. You can't. I can't pick up and go to Texas and and somebody be like, oh yeah, we know Colin. We know the Brown family. Yeah, we yeah. love Colin. He's such a fine young man. Uh, he and my son. I mean, and and the thing about the whole the it's the whole family. Like like if you if you say you played in a junior tournament and you got paired with Cullen and you were in some other state and you just played one round of golf with, yeah. with Cullen, y'all were your family, your friends for life yeah. with Cullen, with the whole family. Like if you happen to be driving through Kentucky and you needed a place to stay and you just called up and said, Rodney can, yeah. Emily, can I say that? Of course, come yeah. on, I'll, we'll make the bed right now. That's just the way they were yeah. and, and the way they are. And, yeah. and I just can't even, um, I, I can't, I can't say enough things about that family and how much I love them and how much, um, how incredible they are! That's how special so, they are! So cool to see his sister there, and Catherine. Golf. Let me tell you, she's she good. can play. She hits it like, I mean, strong. Yeah. I mean, like she hits it hard, like Lyon County strong. I'm, I'm talking like, <laughs> like literally. I've told her before, I'm not going to play with you because because <laughs> I'm not going. You're not hitting it past me. I'm not going to do it. So I'm just not going to let you do that because she will bomb it past me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love, I love, uh, I love that Catherine's there. It's yeah. awesome. It is awesome. So we're we're starting to talk. Um, a lot about the players and stuff, but let's wrap up when we're starting to talk about um, what you're doing now and the passion of what you hope to do when you when you're in your new career, when you're uh, being a consultant and a teacher and a mentor, and all the resources you're doing for junior golfers who want to be college players, and hopefully eventually college players who want to be pro players, and then pro players who want to win the Masters. What do you hope to gain out of that? Um, part of your business or your your next venture so so the way i looked at this when i started it is that that everybody has a swing coach pretty much in, the, in today's world um by the way chip mcdaniel was another one that came to college that did not have a swing coach had never they didn't really have had, anybody at the big hit never really had <laughs> never really had lessons you know so he and jb were two guys that, that they had that in common yeah um but but most of these kids until they get to college if they get to college and, and get that good they don't have somebody to help them with what what I would call more of a performance coach. Yeah. Then um, they don't have that at this age because it's just the way the model is. Say if you're an instructor in town and you give lessons, you, you know you're, you you have an hour lesson and then the next person comes in and, and if you decide to go to a tournament and spend three days with them or go to somewhere and train with them for three or four days, like you're not you're not really you can't really do that because you can't give up that hour. I mean that's the way you're paid is you yeah. these hourly income. So. So, but then you get to college and it and it changes, right? Now you have a guy that helps you with all the performance stuff, like how to train, course management, yeah. using analytics, uh, mindset, hundred yards and in, how to practice properly, um, uh, post tournament evaluations, all that kind of stuff. You you have that, yeah. And then the tour guys have that too because those coaches out there, they're they're on retainer. They're, you sure. Know, tour guys yeah. aren't just paying them. A, hey, come watch me for an hour. Right. They're on retainer basically. Sure. And so, hey, I need you to come out here. Okay, I'm coming. Yeah. You know, or or that kind of. So basically, that's what I'm that's what I'm doing. And and, and with kids yeah. that that really are, and I've been very fortunate because the kids that I have so far are super driven. They want to play golf at a high level and they're willing to pay the, the price for it. Yeah. So like I just went down to Florida and had a couple of them playing in a, um, a mini tour event as, as amateurs. Yeah. And I got to do the practice round with them and then, and then in, be in the tournament round, you know, with them. And before that, I've got another kid in Florida that I just spent time training and then, uh, and then went to his first tournament round with him. And, and I can learn a lot by just watching him in tournament sure. golf yeah. that you don't pick up when you're just playing, you know, out on the, on the golf course. Like, oh, it, yeah, it's just sure. different. You, you know that obviously. Yeah. And, and so I, I, so that part of it, I, I, I love because, because I'm not a, like, I'm not, I can teach the golf swing, but that's not really my thing. Yeah. If you've got these guys who do that all day, every day, 
like you need to go to those guys for the gospel. And those, those are the guys that are great, right? That's sure. what they do. Yeah, yeah. You know, like if they're not better at me at the gospel, then they're terrible if that's what they're doing all day, every day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But, but what I'm doing is all the other stuff around that and I how to that. play golf, all yeah. the small things that add up to be huge things on, on becoming a tournament player, distance control, sure. trajectory, controlling your trajectory, your spin, you know, learning how far you, you hit your, your clubs and working on that and getting yeah. all your gapping right and all that kind of stuff. That, that's what I, and that's what I've always enjoyed. I, the golf swing, I don't, I don't, I don't really care. I mean, if it works yeah. and you can repeat it, I don't care. I don't care what it looks like. Yeah. You know, I, I really don't. Uh, I'd love to have a team full. Of, you know, JB Holmes has his own swing. Wouldn't you love to have a team full of him? We'd have like four national championships. <laughs> four in a row. You know, if I'd had it, we'd have four in a row. You that's know, right. so so. But but te- teaching kids how to play golf—that's what I love. And then yeah. navigating all the recruiting stuff and and yeah. the, the, what tournaments to play in and. And, uh, you know, me, you know, contact some coaches that say, hey, just take a look at this case and send you some information, sure. that kind of, I, yeah. you know, I, and I know everybody. I've been yeah, yeah. forever. So I know everybody sure. uh, in the coaching world. So but that you helps. probably also know on the other side of it, what position you could put that kid in to be successful. Like maybe this Absolutely. isn't the right program for you. Maybe Absolutely. The, maybe this is the right program. And you, you, you need to be at, honest and say like, yeah. hey, if you go here and they give you a spot, you might never play. Yeah. You know, but if you really want to play, like let's look over here because these might be some places where you can sure. you can improve and, and play. And then, and then the second thing I, we've got going on that is just now starting is uh, two former players that were both on our, on our championship, SEC championship team, um, Mark Blakefield, who played the Corn Ferry Tour forever, yeah. just stopped playing. Yeah. Um, and then Matt Wells, who who never turned pro, but was a, actually led the NCAA championship uh, his, I think it was his junior year uh, through 36 holes. So they came to me and, and, and we've, because they had an idea and they wanted to um, uh, get me involved, which I really appreciate. But we're, we're starting up something called basically uh, P3, which is premier, it's a pre, premier recruiting service, premier uh, premier player recruiting service, and we're going to start with an international focus because we have an end over there with uh, basically an instructor that Mark knows that's teaching a lot of good players that want to come over here. Yeah, and like you said earlier, like kid didn't know the difference between Arizona State and Columbus State. Yeah. you know, and, and obviously that's not everybody, but but they still don't really know the difference of t- a lot of them between the difference of say UNC Wilmington and UNC yeah. Chapel Hill. Yeah. You know, I had another guy, Jonathan Hewitt. He's from England, and he went to one of those workshops that you go to and say, "Hey, I want to teach you about college golf in the United States." Right. And he grew up. He called it the state team or something that he played for. Right. So how how it works there, but he thought when he came, he ended up going to uh, Chicago to play at uh, DePaul, mm-hmm. and. He thought he's coming to America, and it was all sunny and beaches. <laughs> he had no clue he's going to up in Chicago in the snow. He thought everything was like Florida. Yeah, everything was Florida. Over. Yeah, uh, that, well, that, so it's easy that, for DePaul it. to recruit him. I get it. I get it. So we're gonna we're gonna start in Europe with the European folks trying to help those kids, but but we're, we've got some other things lined up too that, and we'll eventually hopefully come over here. I mean, do American kids too? Yeah. But we've got some other cool things lined up too. Like like we're trying to institute a deal where we can maybe organize some of the professional caddies. Yeah, where Say you're a tour caddy and you have a week off, right? Well, you don't have you don't, a spot. Yeah, you, don't, you don't get paid. You don't have anything to do, right? So some of these junior players, maybe we could work out a deal where they come, they get to spend a day with a professional caddy, oh, man, learn awesome. course management, yeah. learn all the things that a guy that's say has five tour wins carrying yeah. a bag can help with them and, and spend a day on the golf course and, and maybe a QA over over a meal. That's you know? great. So yeah. something like that I think could be incredible. We might even put together a few junior tournaments at some point in time. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't believe, like, like in I've been in Florida a lot lately over the winter. The, these tournaments that that time of year down there, they'll, some of them will have 50, 60 kids on the waiting list oh, to yeah. get in the tournament. Oh, yeah. It's, it's insane. Like, it, I feel like there's room for even some more because they're filling up. Sure. Awesome. 
I told you to remind me about the uh, caddy stuff. So yes. we, we were in uh, at the golf tournament uh, down in Tampa, and uh, JB was playing. The Innisbrook event? Innisbrook yeah. event. And um, at that time, he had a caddy, uh, Skip Henley. Yeah. And uh, they parted ways on Saturday night. Oh. Uh, and so Sunday, there's no caddy uh, for JB. <laughs> JB grew up in Taylor County. I don't think I've heard this story. Campbellsville. He grew up with a guy named Andy Baldwin, who was a pitcher. He went to Western Kentucky University, got drafted, and ended up in by the Tigers, ended up in Lakeland, Florida, because that's where the Tigers rookie league I, stuff I, was. I know who that is, yes. And so Andy Baldwin, and we became fast friends at a small group in church. So we, he ended up – he was in Lakeland, uh, and then they, had, they were looking at Tampa, like right. to move over to Tampa, and right. they got involved in, like, Jimmy John's franchises and – he was coming over to Tampa, so I met Gina, his wife, at a small group. I mean, at church, but right. then we we hosted the small group at the church we were going. Right. So he shows up, and I have a Pikeville College uh, sticker on my car and a University of Kentucky sticker on my car, and they roll into our house and like, oh, maybe some more Kentucky people. So we became really fast friends, really close with his family. Yet, at the time, you talk about how sometimes God intervenes at special times in your life. Uh, our daughter's there, and she's lonely, has no friends. We just moved to Florida out of Kentucky. Right. She doesn't have any of her friends. And we're, like, praying for a miracle, like, we need friends. They show up with twin boys, same age, and then we just, like, our family just, just hit meshed it like that because it's just Kentucky people, right? Right. And uh, Kentucky people are that way. We're, we're that all, true. like, family stuff. And you talk about, like, you know, Colin's parents opened up the door. That's how we were for them. Like, yeah. Okay, we're, yeah. we're together now. Um, so Andy, uh, is, he grew up with JB and grew up with John in, in Camelsville and, um, had been retired from baseball stuff, but obviously they, they hung out, they're really close and we don't have a caddy. <laughs> There's no caddy on Sunday. So Andy becomes the caddy on Sunday. He doesn't know anything about caddy. <laughs> in fact, he shows mm -hmm. up initially and he's going to be embarrassed when he hears this, but I'm just going to tell the whole story. He shows up with golf cleats on. <laughs> For the first, and you can't do that. If, if you're the caddy, you can't wear golf cleats. And then he spilled coffee on his bib, and uh, or on his clothes, probably but not on his bib. He spills coffee on his clothes, and so it's like it's a little bit of a rocky ride starting this out. But he's a he is an absolute competitor. He's a bulldog of a competitor. Mm. So if he's going to be the caddy, he's out. So he had to run back and get his shoes. Yeah, I think he had to get John's shoes because he didn't have any. <laughs> and then he had to pass all this COVID test stuff to, oh, and yeah. even to be a caddy because oh, yeah, we're in the true. middle of that stuff. So oh, he's yeah. like, oh, no, I got to swap for COVID and how this happened. So we didn't know if there was going to be a caddy on <laughs> Sunday. So he shows up, and I, we're out on the range, and I'm with Gina, his wife, and we're watching him warm up. And John tells him, like, just stay out of the way. Right? <laughs> I don't need yardage numbers. So he has a, a green book, a yardage book in his back pocket, just or in his front bib, either right, way, right. just like a good caddy would. They get paired with Dustin Johnson. Oh. And Dustin's caddy is his brother, Austin. Right. And um, we're going off the first, and I'm just watching. I'm watching Andy go. So he's rocking, he's walking, he's walking. And I'm pretty sure John hit four or five bunkers <laughs> that Andy had to, <laughs> had to rake. Had to rake. Mm -hmm. And I think, and I can't remember exactly what number it is, it's before the par five, uh, or it may be in the front bunker on the par five. He's in there raking that thing, and you could have taken a picture and thought it was, it was pristine. <laughs> 
JB's already putted out, like done with the whole thing. He's still raking, <laughs> still raking this bunker because they're playing really early on Sunday. Right. So the whole every the whole field's following them. Still behind them. So he wants this thing to be pristine. And it's hot. Things are worn out. We're going through this whole thing. And so eventually we start heckling him a little bit. You know, the the caddy. Like, but here's the funniest thing. At that time, and I think there's still a little bit. On PGATour.com, they had this tour cast that they would follow every shot for a little bit and have individual announcers, but then you could get some of the coverage. So we had all 18 holes recording mm -hmm. on the computer. And somewhere through the thing, the announcers get whim of like, what is this caddy doing? And he's like, he's had a yardage book in his bib the whole day. He hasn't looked at it at all. <laughs> And then finally somebody gets some insight to the announcers like, oh, this is his buddy he grew up with. And then they start giving him like all this business. And I have it all recorded. That's awesome. Uh, they were playing on. But he, by the time they reach 18, he was worn out yeah. <laughs> at that point. And it was the least amount of work that he'd ever done except carrying that big heavy bag. Right, right. Um, but we had him in an ortho Lynx hat. And so he was out in the ortho Lynx hat <laughs> taking pictures. You know, we're taking pictures of him. It was one of the funnest rounds, and and at that point, they're not in contention. And something that's true about JB, if, he, if he's not in contention, he doesn't really care. So they played faster than he's ever played in his life. I was going to say, they probably got around pretty quick, didn't they? Dustin Johnson's yeah. out of contention, plays super fast. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you, but you could see, you're talking about that caddy intervention. He was asking Austin what to do. Right. Like where to stand with the flag. Do you okay. turn it upside down? Do you hold it right side up? Like, all this yes. stuff. And it was so nice to see he was like helping him out. Austin was helping like, him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We well, need it because th there yeah. is an etiquette out there. There, there yeah. are protocols out there that those guys follow. Yeah. And if you don't do it, you're going to be out of place. Yeah, yeah. I won't call out names, but there's a there's another SEC golfer that we saw uh, down there, and golfers mentally are are fickle. If that, it, I don't know if you'll agree with that, but I'm talking about how things can change on a on a dime in a golf round even right well for sure well there was a there was a golfer and i'm not going to name his name uh and there was probably a 150 year old volunteer <laughs> who was holding up the hush sign and this particular golfer every time he'd hold up the sign it was right when he got ready to strike his putt right and so it's really irritating to him so he's over the putt as soon as he gets ready to stroke it, <laughs> the guy raises his arm. Up I know again. what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And um, he goes off on him. Oh, no. He goes off on this 150 year old. Oh. And, and basically, like in front of everybody, yelling, like, if you move again, I'm breaking your arm. <laughs> oh, God. Like something oh, gosh. crazy Just like nuts. that. And, um, and it's all because probably one of the nicest guys that you can get into, but you get in that mindset of being in contention on the PGA Tour, something happens yeah. to him. But the ones that it don't happen to are people like JB. Like, you're going to get the same thing. He's been drugged through the sand about his slow play. Oh, yeah. And all the other stuff. And just like the seniors or the juniors who told him to pick his bags up, he probably says to those people, well, beat me and I'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll speed up when you, when you can beat me. Yeah. But there's even, when he goes back to the Walker Cup, there's footage of him at the Walker Cup taking like three minutes to hit a wedge shot. On, I was there. On one of the holes. I was there. And everybody's yeah. like completely uncomfortable. He's completely comfortable. He, but here, here's game. the beauty in that too, at that Walker Cup especially. 
it, it really did get under the skin of a couple of his competitors. Yeah, and he just doubled down on it. <laughs> I mean, and he doesn't care. Like, no. he literally doesn't care. Like, he, he is totally comfortable in his own skin. Yeah. And if people were having to wait for that, he doesn't care. It's yeah. his turn to play. He's on stage, and he's going to take his time. Yeah. And I think that's the it thing that you talked about. You can't teach that. It's hard to teach. Like, I, like I'd be in that situation, and I'd be, I would be like – Oh man, I'm 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 holding I'm these guys up. up. I'm messing no. around. I, I would want to hurt. No, no, no. JB, he's gonna do his deal, yeah. and he's gonna do it like he does, it, and he ain't gonna worry about yeah, it. I love it. And you got to be that way to to be elite. Like, that's you what know, makes you different. Yeah, it makes you, you different. On, yeah, that's it makes the, you different. That's one of those it factors where it most people would not be comfortable in their own 100%. skin in that same point. And I don't. He didn't make real enemies. If you. If you know him and don't like him, you have a problem. Yeah, yeah, correct. He just, J- JB, but the perception he, is he's so quiet. He's just and, to himself. Like he's yeah. not an extrovert. He's not going to be out on tour, hanging out at the restaurant bar. Yeah. He's not. You know what he's going to do? He's going to play golf and he's going to go hang out with his wife and his kids and his dog. Yeah. yeah. And and he's going to be with it. And if his wife Shout and kids aren't Bunker. there, you know what he's going to do? He's going to he's going to go back to the hotel room and he's going to hang out in the hotel room. Yeah. You know he's not. Uh, here's what I've always said about JB, and I love this about him is you know a lot of people you know, want the limelight, you know, they want the, the, the fame, whatever he wants to play golf and great golf. And, and, and just like anybody, yeah. like make a lot of money, right. Playing great yeah. golf. But he, he wants to walk in a restaurant and nobody know who he is. Yeah. He doesn't want to walk in a restaurant yeah, and yeah. people go, Oh, that he wants to walk in there and nobody even know who he is. Yeah. And I love that about him. Me too. I think that's fantastic. Me too. Let's talk about Fred Allen and some of his injury stuff. Cause I was talking about, I was talking to a junior golfer and actually just talking to a family member of somebody who's got some bad news with ACLs and all this other stuff and mm-hmm. how you overcome adversity when you're an athlete. So Fred ended up tearing up his hip, and it, it ruined some of, well, a lot of his college career. Fred had a tough go in college from he a health was, standpoint. He was a very decorated junior golfer. Oh, he was good. He won every trophy they gave out in he the was state good. of Kentucky. <laughs> yes. And uh, yes. I'm sure they could build rooms to, to put his uh, trophies. He grew up on a golf course he did. Uh, with his dad. Um but he had a lot of adversity yeah, coming in when he came in and ended up having to have surgery on his hip, and uh, and then things kind of spiraled down there a little bit. So talked about talk to kids, talk about his story a little bit, what you saw in him as a as a bulldog to to get through that. And I think we were talking about before that he was like he barely could hit any distance, right? When he was so hurt that he could barely. Great story about his. Toughness, um, and and this, you know, and this is to an extreme here. Like you don't even want to be this way. This was too tough. Yeah. But he comes in. He's he's in great form and coming into college. I mean, I'm thinking like this kid. Like man, this this kid. You know what a great keeper getting yeah. this kid right. Yeah. And uh, and I've known him forever. He came to my camp when he was a, just a little kid, yeah. and I remember he just hit it right down the middle of the fairway and smiled the whole time. I just got you know I love his family. I mean, my gosh, what a what a great great family uh, with Russ and Allison and their whole family. But Edie, his sister, but yeah. um, he comes. He comes in. He's playing great. I remember he had a thirty-six hole uh, summer deal with. He played with T- Josh Teeter. This was just on his own. He played with Josh Teeter and somebody else, and they played Champions and Isleworth, and he shot 66-64. Uh, you know, I mean, like this kid was ready to come in and play. Yeah. Like a lot of kids, it takes them a little while, right? To, when they get to college, and adjust. He was ready to he play. Was ready. Well, first qualifier, we always play a lot of rounds for the first tournament because we have time, and we're going to play the ocean course in Kiowa. We had a little time, so we're going to play five or six rounds. His back starts hurting him during this qualifier. We're like, oh, man, let's get, get checked out. But he, he, he wants to keep playing, and it definitely affected him. He ends up losing in a playoff, but he gets the individual spot. So he gets, still gets yeah. to go. So, now, so he's just playing as an individual. Right? He's not even on the like, – like he's just playing for experience. Yeah. 
get down there and his back still bottom, you know, like, hey, you know, you know, let's be careful. You don't need to, you don't have to play. Well, I think the first day was 36 holes. His back couldn't take it, so he gets out there the next morning. And he literally can barely hit a golf ball. Like it, I mean, like it's bad. And I'm like, Fred, you do not have to play, okay? You you, you need to. Just pull out. You do not have to play. And he's like, no, I'm playing. He's like, I'm playing. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm trying to convince him, like, Fred, you don't have to play. You're playing as an individual. It's not going to look bad if you pull out because of injury. He's like, I'm playing. Yeah. So he goes out there and plays, and the individuals oftentimes go off last. So uh, this was tee times. And so I go out to catch him on, like, the he's got three or four holes left before he, he finishes. And I see him hit a driver, and he literally chipped it down the fairway because his back driver. was so hard. Yeah. He, he couldn't even swing at it. He just chipped it. And, and if you, you know, Fred, he <laughs> kills the ball. Like, yeah. he mauls it. Yeah, yeah. And he just takes this little chip swing. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. He hadn't even quit, and his back's hurting him oh, that no. bad. Oh, no. And, of course, he gets through. He finishes. He posts, he posts his, his round. I mean, like, he, you know, posts it. And then we find out, you know, he's got back problems, which leads to hip problems, yeah. and he's got all these problems and ends up having to have labrum surgery, but he had the back issue. And then in the process of all that, they found some uh, uh, unusual spots on his, um, I think it was his kidney or liver. He had to go to, uh, you know, like Mayo Clinic or somewhere like that to get that checked out. Thank goodness it wasn't cancerous. It yeah. was just they, they're just going to monitor it, but they thought it was okay. So it was a it was a tough, tough deal. He was out of golf for a long yeah. while before he played again, which uh, I think he made his debut back in Puerto Rico in the spring. Yeah. Uh, just a so lot anyway, of persistence, a lot I mean, of behind-the-scenes work and all the stuff. People don't see that. Oh, my gosh. This kid went through rehab and adversity, and and I, and I you know and, and he's out playing professionally now and doing great in his health. I mean, he's even told me, like, your your treatment on his back changed his life. Like, he told me that. He said it changed yeah. his life. He told yeah. me that. Well, we got lucky, and the stars aligned. I, I talked to him just recently. We just talked. And uh, he called and said thank you again. Did really? he really? He like, told me personally that it changed his life. Yeah, I was like, you don't have to thank me. It's just the stars aligned. That's how it was. Uh, it was all. I think it was like my brother had brought Chip over and said, "Hey, do you want to play in Tampa or something?" And Fred was living with Chip in Orlando, right. so they came down. But he was having trouble getting in and out of the car a little bit. Mm -hmm. and it's just, and my brother's like, "Hey, man, you got to help this guy." And he comes in, and I'm like, at this point with the treatment that we do, I was pretty confident that I could do stuff mm -hmm. i didn't know if i could help him i didn't know what his problem was but the thing that freaked him out is i had this scan called the dari scan where you you get range of motion all those numbers that we look right. at for range of motion and i looked at him and i was like you have anything wrong with your left hip and he was like what because like, i didn't i was like don't tell <laughs> you, me you didn't even know he I had didn't surgery know, didn't yeah. know he had surgery didn't know anything he's like that's a little freaky. Mm -hmm. And so we started going through those numbers. I was like, man, you, I mean, I, I can tell you you have problems on this side. Yeah. So, but I think I can fix you. I think I can help you. And we got in from like, the perspective is, is like thoracic range of motion is the top part of your spine. And if you're able to stabilize the bottom part of your body, this is the, the uh, newer version of the golf swing. Stabilize right, the lower body. Right. Get this big X factor. Right. Big twist. Generates all this power and, and club head speed. For an elite golfer, They'll range between 45 and 50 degrees of motion on their turn. Mm -hmm. Fred had six. Oh, my gosh. On his spine. And then after we treat him a little bit, he had 14. And so it made perfect sense on why you can wreck your back mm -hmm. and wreck your hip mm -hmm. if your spine won't rotate. Right. And I started explaining all this stuff to him, and he doesn't care about any of that stuff. He just want to play he, golf he just without feel, He's going to feel better. He's going to play golf. Better. Yeah. And he'll, he says, we did a podcast together a while ago, and he said, like, that round of golf was the first time in a long time I'd played without pain. Wow. And he was amazed. And so he said, he called and said, thank you for giving him a, a shot to play professional golf. I was like, look, man, that time, the stars aligned properly. 
my brother wanted That's to play golf cool. with Chip that day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so That's he came cool. in. I didn't know that yeah. was a story. Yeah, it was really, really cool. Man, I can't thank you enough for coming and hanging out. Those stories are awesome, and I, I just wanted to get on here for the listeners and two things: let them know what you're doing now because I think there's a huge value in that, and there's a huge need that void that you're filling for junior golfers and people that need to go in. But also, it's just good to just reminisce and. We're all uh, we all bleed blue around here, and uh, I I ended up you know being around some of the people that you're around for a long time with your players, and uh, they all have the the best things in the world to say. Just like you talk about them and their families, they all have the best things in the world to say about you. So your impact that you've had in 22 years at Kentucky doesn't go unnoticed or unappreciated. So publicly say thanks for that, but also. Um, just excited for what you're doing now. You're going to change some lives for some of those young golfers too. Well, I appreciate that. It, it was an incredible run at Kentucky. I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, and my my play, all these players, I and mean, they they truly are family yeah. to me. They they truly are, and and they know that. Like I I I, 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 I try to make sure they know that because yeah. I, I love every one of them and their fan. I mean, I I can't tell you like how many moms and dads I'm great friends with with yeah. these kids. I just love them so much and. And I'm so appreciative that I had the opportunity to to spend time with them and coach them and, and hopefully help them a little bit along the way. Well, not hopefully you did. Thank you. All right, man. Thanks for coming. Thank you. Thank you, Jason.